0: Put that down for a catch a little farther out uh, i don't have a quarrel cool with you teacher but we've been doing this all night nothing Jesus, who it was him it was jesus of nazareth nazareth his care is for women for the vulnerable god is spirit and the time is coming and is now here that it won't matter where you worship but only that you do it in spirit and truth and you know these things because you are the christ I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Let's love one another. Let's love one
1: another. Got to lift up one another. We gotta be there for With each other.
0: God loves the world in this way. He must be the Christ. That he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I knew it. Matthew, follow me.
1: We're gonna see love, make a comeback. We're gonna see a whole. of Nazareth we're
0: on the same team just don't make me kill you I won't make you do anything but my father on the other hand I don't know what that means but let's leave on a high note
1: welcome 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 everybody Homer Glenn, New Lenox, Orland Park Online, welcome. I've been waiting for this for a long time, and I haven't preached in two weeks, so I'm kind of fired up. So just get ready, okay? I'm just telling you. Um, we are doing The Chosen. Uh, I mean, like, all of my, you know, my friends, my peers are like... Yeah, we're thinking we're going to do this at some point, and, and nobody that I know has done it yet because there's going to be seven seasons of it, and there's only uh, three seasons out so far, and, and or two seasons out so far, and, and yet, yet there's so much richness to this, we're just going for it. So here's what we're doing. The series is called Unbelievable, okay? You know, it's something we hear all the time, something... Um, can, is unbelievably good or something that is unbelievably bad, right? Something unbelievably good, like a, a meal at a restaurant, right? Or a, the view of a sunset. Or maybe it's unbelievably bad, like my predictions of sporting events from Scripture. Sometimes, however, one person or one event can be seen by one group of people as good and another group of people as bad, right? And a category, uh, that category obviously includes the most controversial person in human history, Jesus of Nazareth. Even when he walked on this earth, most of the people who encountered him found his teachings and claims to be just that, unbelievable, right? Some of them thought he was unbelievably good, and some of them thought he was unbelievably bad, and they killed him for it. And since then, it's still been confusing. I need to give you a little commentary about Ukraine, okay? Um, let me do a little... Let me do a little uh, scriptural, a little spiritual, a little theological commentary on what's going on right now. There are some weird, sad roots in Orthodox Christianity in this horrible situation that we have going on right now. It was in the Ukrainian capital of Kiev in 988 A.D., where Vladimir of the Rus uh, took the whole city down to have a mass baptism so that he could marry somebody and, 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 you know, have a good connection. And that was the beginning of Russian Orthodox Christianity. And communism tried to crush it, but it failed. And Orthodox Christianity, you may think this is all just like leftover communism kind of thing, you know, take over the world and hate God. But, but a lot of what Putin is doing has its twisted up roots in Orthodox Christianity. Because no matter how much communism or anybody else tries to crush Christianity, it doesn't work. I mean, you, you you can't even believe what's going on in China. Let me just tell you that. Okay. However, and this is a stark reminder to us in the U.S., their brand of Christianity is this mix of religious imagery and military glorification, all at the same time. Putin actually said, "Ukraine is a part of our history." our culture, and our spiritual space. So I I guarantee you he's not done with what he's doing. He wants Kiev because he wants to unify the Russian Orthodox Christianity back to where it's supposed to be. So here's my question about controversial Jesus. How can some people who claim to be following Jesus be invading another country and killing innocent people so that they can unify their church, while others of us who are following Jesus decry this as an act of a madman? Well, how could so many people in Jesus' day realize that he had a message from God, and how could other people kill him for that message from God, claiming it to be blasphemy? It's all about your understanding of Jesus. Everything goes back to your understanding of Jesus. This is why I do what I do. And this is why we believe so strongly in pointing you back to what we actually hear and know about Jesus and not just what you've heard from other people. And I think the chosen has done an amazing job, you can find it, you can get the app, you can find it on Peacock, you can find it a lot of different places and it's free. It's done an amazing job of showing us the real Jesus. And that's why we're doing this series. And for those who really opened up their hearts and minds to him, Jesus became believable, don't you see? And that is our goal for you, to meet the unbelievable Jesus, and to let him become believable. And the Chosen TV series is going to help us do just that. This series will use content and themes from the show to present a Jesus that laughed and cried and lived with people in community. And we hope that you are going to walk away with, and these uh, are our purpose statement of, of our church, a newly inspired view of Jesus. Your first step is reach. That's what we're hoping for, a personal connection to his mission. The next step is raise. And a model for how to live the faith in the next step, and the next step is to release. We reach, raise, and release. We talk about that all the time around here. That's what we're trying to do, and that's what we're using this series for and what we're doing. And today, as we begin, get used to different. It's a line you will hear Jesus say to Peter in a few minutes, which is ironic because Peter's a fisherman, okay? He's already different than a follower of any other rabbi in those days. But what I hope to accomplish today is to help you see how different Jesus was from what the religious people expected and how absurdly different the people he associated with were from what the religious people expected. Let me say that again. I want to accomplish how different Jesus was from what religious people expected and how absurdly different the people that he hung out with were from what religious religious people expected. And you know that I think that's super important. That's why I wrote what made Jesus mad because of all of these things. So here's the huge disconnect. One of the most important verses in what I think is the most important chapter in the Bible, Luke 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Is that true? Absolutely. Not just sinners, prostitutes and tax collectors. And you see, each one of them had their own category. There were sinners, there were prostitutes, there were tax collectors, right? So Matthew, who we're going to meet today through the chosen, brilliant, The portrayal of Matthew is one of my favorites in this show. He's this brilliant guy. He he is a tax collector. He's awkwardly brilliant, maybe even OCD, the way they present him. But tax collectors were hated by the Jews because they were Jews who had sold out to the Romans. So on the list of people who deserve to be with God, it would have gone something like this. Pharisees, teachers of the law, right? They're at the top. They deserve to be with God. Normal people, okay? Fishermen would have been below the normal people. The Peter, James, and John, all those guys, they, I mean, they smelled bad, okay? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, okay? So they're down here. Then you've got sinners, that's a general category, prostitutes, tax collectors, and then I want to add people who drive slow in the passing lane, all right? At the bottom of the list, you with me? So tax collectors were not even allowed in the synagogue to worship. So they were selling out their community and their neighbors and, think about this, and their community with God. Tax collectors were people who wanted money so much that they would sell out their community with people and their community with God at the same time. Here's another story that summed up how how tax collectors must have felt if they were honest. Two men went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. I love that is an exact translation. Do you ever pray about yourself? I mean, this is so great. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I'm, I'm so wonderful. Robbers and evildoers and adulterers or even like this tax collector, right? I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. Blah, 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 blah. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up into heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus goes on to say, which one of those two do you think was justified before God? It was the tax collector. But this is how any tax collector must have felt deep down inside. So in this clip... Matthew is trying to defend himself to his mother, who is very disappointed in him being a sellout to Rome, as you could imagine. But then there's this transition to the discussion with her about what Matthew has seen in Jesus and the unbelievable.
0: I know you are ashamed of me, but your decision is irrational. Rome will continue to collect taxes no matter what. I'm skilled with numbers. Did you come here to justify yourself? No, no. This will cover about half your penalty balance. Even the rabbis were astonished at your talent for reading, math, the way you could think faster than any other child. They thought you would be someone great. Great at what? I'm rich. I have an armed escort. I'm trusted by the Praetor of we Galilee. We never dreamed you would use the talent God gave you to bleed your people dry. But have you ever seen anything miraculous? Matthew. My whole world. Everything I thought I knew. What if it's wrong? So you're following me now, huh? It's a matter of accountability. You must provide the information implicating the guilty fishermen or balance the books somehow. Andrew says anything's possible. Not mathematically. Yeah, but what if, you know? Are you in trouble? Do you think that impossible things can happen? That overturn the laws of nature? That cannot be explained?
1: It doesn't matter if you are a Matthew today or one of the other sinner categories that, that, that might feel unworthy of the love of Jesus. If that's you, that's our heart. We, we want to help you because that's wrong. Or if you are one of the Pharisaical people who actually think you deserve to be in the kingdom and you thank God that you are not like those other people who are going to hell. We love you too, okay? We're glad to have all of you. But but let me sum up the problem, and honestly, Andy Stanley did it as well as anybody I've ever heard, so I'll just read it for him. For a long time in my life, the approach to Christianity was kind of a Simon Says game, except it was God Says. It kind of went like this. Jesus says, stand up. God says, read your Bible. God says, pray. Sit down. Uh, God didn't say it. You're out. What I learned as a kid about the God Says game is that it was very difficult to stay in the game. And then you get out and you feel all guilty. And the problem for me was that I got out a lot when I was young. And I learned to sort of like getting out. Because if you got out, then you didn't have to play anymore. And I would get out and I would think, well, I'm out because I blew it and I messed up and I sinned. So I think I could get back in the game. But I'll just spend a few weeks just sinning because I'm already out anyway. You know, Because it doesn't really matter. Can, can you relate to Andy? Okay. There are other problems with the God says games and approach to Christianity. And unfortunately, that means that there are people that are good at it. There are some people who could stay in the game forever. Jesus could give them, God could give them all kinds of stuff to do. Or at least it seemed like God gave them all kinds of stuff to do. And they were good at it. At least on the outside. So my childhood understanding was that was really mostly about what God was against. Can you relate to that? I mean, my childhood understanding was what God was against, not what God was for, and the kinds of people that God was against. And you've heard me use this line a million times, but it's exactly what I thought. God told us not to drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls who do. You've heard that, right? I say that all the time. It's my standard line, which I found out is a little problematic. Because when I was at a campus rally recently, a guy came up and he said, hey, um, you, you knock that off, would you? And I'm like, what happened? He's like, well, my kid came to me and said, dad, I can't chew? Why can't I chew? And he said it opened up a whole conversation about chewing tobacco that I really wasn't comfortable having yet. But please remember, I grew up in Oklahoma where the little circle mark in your back pocket was a status symbol, okay? I'm just saying, those were all the things that they told us God was all about. Not about what he was about and what he was loving, it was about the things that he was against. And even though you know I didn't know, the people I respected told me that that, that God said those things. But then I started reading the Bible and I realized that God didn't ever say that. And that Jesus actually drank and made wine, for crying out loud. And I don't think smoking and chewing were even issues back then, but he did definitely hang around with the boys and the girls who did. And as I grew up, I started studying the Bible for myself and questioning these things. So when I went to Bible college that didn't allow facial hair, my first speech as a freshman was Jesus had a beard, okay? That's just, that, that's the truth, and, and I have not had a clean-shaven face since I graduated from that institution 39 years ago, okay? Andy again, okay? The other thing about this dumb game was that every once in a while, I'd meet people who never played the God Says Game, and they were like sinners and bad people, and I'd think, you know, they really need to play the God Says Game, but they didn't want to. And a part of me kind of envied them because they didn't have any guilt. They just kind of did whatever they wanted. And then somebody would come along and say, oh, Andy, you need to go talk to those people who don't believe in God says and tell them they need to play God says. Which kind of makes sense because Jesus is awesome, but I was never sure I wanted to tell them about the game. Nobody wants to play that game. I didn't even want to play that game sometimes, and I'm not very good at it either. So who am I to tell anybody else to get in the game that you can't seem to win, and you you have to keep sitting down, and then you're glad you sat down, and man, I don't know if I can do this. I couldn't agree with Andy Moore. And what if you got baptized by a priest in Arizona who used the wrong pronoun to baptize you? and now you are out of the game, and you didn't even do anything wrong. Can we try to make the game even more ridiculous? It's no wonder so many people drop out of the game. Listen, I'm just gonna be honest with you. If I thought that God says gamers were right, I'd probably drop out too. But they're not, which is proven To me, by the selection of Matthew as a disciple. Matthew was so far out of the game, it wasn't even funny. And honestly, most of Jesus' followers were in his day. And please understand as you see the next clip, okay? Please understand this Matthew didn't ask to follow Jesus, Jesus invited Matthew to follow him, okay? This is really important. This is like not some desperate guy who, who said, Jesus, can I follow you? This is Jesus saying, hey, I want you. So if you are here, if you are watching me online and you're thinking wait a minute I don't think I can get in this game and I'm watching this church service and and I thought God said sing old songs with an organ and wear a suit and don't have fun are you guys even playing this game at Parkview I'm confused and you're confused the answer is no we're not playing the game and we don't think you should be playing the game either because Jesus didn't play the dumb game and he never asked us to play the dumb game as a matter of fact he broke the rules on purpose so that he could point out to us that the game was not supposed to be played the way we thought it was and he always hung out with the boys and girls who were out of the game. As a matter of fact, he plainly told us in the famous verse right after the most famous verse, John 3.16 and John 3.17, God did not send his world in his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Okay, think about it. Think about this just for a second and I'll show you the next clip. How does God feel about this game? How, how, how do you think God would feel about the God says game? How do you think God would feel about religion? How do you think God would feel, I'm sorry, I, I, I shouldn't be bringing this up, but how do you think God would feel uh, about people not being able to be married or have communion now because a priest said, we baptize you instead of I baptize you? How do you think that makes God feel? Well, I mean, what if you approach relationships that way? Like a, a game, like like list that the, you're supposed to, to, you know, to to. to to abide by, like not a honey-do list, but like like your marriage has just, de- it's just gone devoid of all the feeling, and it's now just a list. I want you to say I love you this many times, and the dishwasher needs to be emptied by this time of the day, uh, uh, you know, and we need to knock boots this many times, and there, your mother can only be here this many days of the week or this many days of the year. What if our whole focus was on keeping the rules of marriage? What kind of relationship is that? And some of you, I, I don't want to ask that, really, because some of you could give testimony to it because your marriage started out or your relationship take marriage out of it whatever it started out as a relational thing and it was very beautiful but it has evolved into this thing where you're just trying to keep everything together you're just trying to be a good husband I'm trying to be a good wife because I'm committed to marriage hey I want to tell you something I don't want Denise to be committed to marriage I want her to love Tim you see the difference God doesn't want you to be committed to religion. He wants you to love him. And Matthew was blown away that Jesus would let him in to the game. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Let's watch.
0: Mother of a son with talent like yours should be proud. She's ashamed that I could use a talent that God gave me against God. Next. You're good at something. You found a way to make a living doing it. It's that simple. Next. Besides, what else are you gonna do with a mind like yours? Matthew. Matthew, son of Alphaeus. Yes? Follow me. Me to join you. Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy's done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to. You. What are you doing? Where do you think you're going? Guys, let me go. you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. Yes. I don't get it. You didn't get it when I chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. Glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew.
1: Uh Yes. So uh, that was Peter in the clip saying, whoa, wait a minute, okay, right? Because they were lowly fishermen, but on the list that deserves to be with God, remember, fishermen were still above sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors, right? So you still got all that going on. So this clip is legitimately all we know from Scripture. And here's the thing that makes us all uncomfortable. Did Jesus say anything else? This guy was a major sinner, all right? Did Jesus give him a Christian punch list? Did, did Jesus say, Matthew, here's the deal. If you're going to follow me, here's a list of the stuff that you need to fix in your life. You need to not drink, smoke, or chew or go with girls who do. You need to give all your money back, right? Because maybe some of you are like, wait a minute, there was another tax collector, the diminutive guy, right? Short Jack who was a tax collector, and Jesus called him, and Jesus went to his house too, and Zacchaeus's reaction was he started giving money back because he knew he cheated people. But we have no record of the fact that Jesus asked him to do it. We have no record of that. He just felt convicted. You see, when you invite people into a relationship with Jesus, the stuff, the junk that's going on in their life, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict them, not for me to stand on a street corner and tell them they're going to hell. There doesn't say anything about Matthew giving away any of his riches. I'm positive that he did, but his salvation wasn't related to it because it wasn't a game. Because Jesus wasn't inviting him to a religion, he was inviting him to a relationship. Because no one is really transformed by religion. We are transformed by relationship. The only thing we know that Matthew did with his money was throw a party that Jesus told him to have with all of his other friends who were way out of the game a long time ago. The Bible just says this, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, that's all we know. What happened? I don't know what happened. My guess is that Matthew said, Jesus, I'll follow you. What are you going to do? Jesus says, I'm hungry. Let's eat. Matthew said, well, you can come to my house and, hey, can I invite some friends? We'll have a party. Jesus says, cool. Greatest day of Matthew's life. Suddenly, life had purpose and meaning. Suddenly, he belonged. But like all sinners, the only friends he had were other sinners. So Jesus goes to a sinner party. Imagine the conversation at Matthew's house. I'm sure the other people had heard about Jesus. They couldn't believe he was a friend of their sinner friend, Matt. I can only imagine Matthew running back and forth, everyone looking, you know, looking after everyone, listening to conversations, serving alcohol, non-Christian music on the stereo, right? He didn't know there were Christian radio stations. He'd never heard of Lauren Daigle. He probably had the soundtrack of the Super Bowl halftime show pounding on his awesome stereo. You better lose yourself in the music, the moment you own it. You better never let it go. Ho. No, nobody's, nobody's doing the ho. Bible says many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Many. And when the Pharisees, next verse, when the gamers saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with these people? It's so obviously offensive, they don't even give a reason. Because in the God says game... They've sinned, and they're out, and you shouldn't be with them. And Jesus responds to this with one of the most important verses in the Bible. On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. In other words, get used to different. What should that look like to us? It should look like we're welcome and all of our friends are welcome, okay? So throw a party and invite Jesus. Throw a party and invite your friends. You know, we've got the Be a Light thing going on this year because we're trying to help people take their first step with Jesus. And you've written some names on some of those light bulbs. What are you doing about that relationship? Some of you, you don't even know what I'm talking about, but we got a light wall out there. Maybe it's time for you to do it. Go put the names of somebody that you want to be a light to and help introduce them to Jesus. Matthew was Just directly out of the tax collector's booth, you know? I mean, he was just out of the center place when he invited the rest of his friends to come over and have a party. I got to meet Josh Anderson, our. uh, new small groups and local missions guy here at our Orland campus this week. I I didn't have to interview him because my team is really sharp. I just met him after the fact. And by the way, I got to tell you how, how sharp our team is. We had an elders retreat last weekend. That's why I wasn't preaching. And it is amazing the future of this church. I just want you to know that great leadership and great staff. So I meet this new guy that's on my staff, Josh. And he went to seminary, and I said, okay, so tell me about seminary, because honestly, if I would have been looking at your resume, and I saw that, this is going to sound weird to you, but if I saw that you went to seminary, I would be a little leery, because I know what seminary does to people a lot of times. It turns them into Pharisees. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. He said, I, I, "I knew that could happen. So while I was in seminary, I had to, you know, to work also, and I had an opportunity to work at several churches. But I decided I was going to go work somewhere else." And he said, "I worked at at the uh, Coach Purses." Uh, outlet where they make purses okay those those fancy expensive purses he said I took a job there and I worked with a whole bunch of non-christian people uh, because Jesus said our goal was to go into all the world and I didn't want seminary to throw me into this category of always thinking about theology and and God and all the things that God wants and all these things and forget that there were people out there and I'm like no wonder we hired you that is awesome At the very least, you got to share this message, okay? This is the message that your friends need to hear. Share it on social media. Send it out to your friends. People need to hear it. And by the way, how did it all turn out with Matthew? Well, I need to point this out to you because you probably didn't catch it. But you have to realize that we are hearing this story directly from Matthew himself. We are in Matthew chapter 9. It's not just a common name back then the former tax collector Matthew that you just met wrote the Bible, the first book of the New Testament. That's what this subtle little clip is all about. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this,
0: Matthew. What's the tablet for? I Grabbed it without thinking.
1: You can put it back?
0: No, no, keep it. You may yet find use for it.
1: You probably didn't catch that if you were watching the whole thing. Does that blow your mind? That is unbelievable. How could you go from being a tax collector to a Bible author? Only Jesus. What makes you think it couldn't happen to you? I'm going to lead us into communion at all of our campuses today because I have one more clip I want to show you. It doesn't have Matthew in it. It just, I think helps you to understand a little bit more about what Jesus wants to do in your life. Okay? And uh, in case you don't know, in case you're new, um, I can't stop talking about it. But I don't care if you were baptized by a we or an I, I it doesn't matter uh, where you've come from. If you are a person who believes in Jesus, you are welcome to commune with us right now. You peel the little cellophane piece off the top, and the bread is there, and then peel the foil off, and the juice is there. And we'll do this in just a minute, okay? So, so this clip I'm going to show you is a Sabbath dinner. It's Shabbat, and Mary Magdalene is hosting it. She's hosting the Shabbat dinner for the first time after being healed from demons, Okay? So one thing about the clip that's really important is that a woman would have never been allowed in Jewish culture to host the Sabbath meal. And Mary is hosting it. And who else is there? She's been released from demons. Jesus has healed her. It's a powerful scene. Who else is there? There's a blind woman and another guy who's just there for comedy relief. And two apostles that just show up that were told by Jesus to show up for Mary. And then something amazing happens. Jesus shows up. And it really demonstrates to me what can and will happen as we take communion together in a few moments, okay? And some of you will feel uncomfortable even thinking about the fact that Jesus would invite you to his table in the first place. Let alone that he would show up to your table and allow you to eat with him. Because you know you're not worthy. And that's the best place you can be. Because if you think that Jesus would come to your table because you are worthy, you've got even a bigger problem. And the Last Supper that we partake in together here, think about it. Who was there? It was Matthew. It was, it was Peter who was getting ready to deny Jesus three times, and Jesus knew it. It was the disciples who didn't even wash Jesus' feet. And it was Judas and Jesus welcomed them to his table and Jesus is welcoming you to his table and he gave us he said this bread to remember his body that was broken to give them access to God and this blood that was shed so they didn't ever have to play the God says game anymore. So we do this as a reminder, or maybe for you, it's an actual opportunity to invite Jesus in for the first time, or like Mary, the first time in a long, long time. It may even seem a little bit awkward. That's okay. Watch this.
0: Is it still on? Yes, Shula, how did you find us? I followed that mule, Barnaby. <laughs> Not that he waited. Is this the place? If Mary's here, yes. it's... Do I know you? Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm James. This is Thaddeus. We were told this would be a good place to come. We can leave if it's awkward. Oh, oh no. Oh, please come in. You're most welcome here. If I'm not doing something or doing something wrong, you tell oh. me. Oh, nonsense. It's already great. Can't remember the last time I was invited to Shabbat dinner. Me? Never. you never been to Shabbat? Of course I've been to one, been to lots. Just never got invited. <laughs> 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 okay. Who's the extra seat for? Oh, uh, for Elijah, am I right? I, I remember, remember they're always setting an extra place for Elijah. That's only for Passover. Just once a year at said. Oh. Well, when Seder comes, I'll have a head start on setting up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, uh, is the first star out? Yes, let's eat. Like I said, you are very popular. Or it's a Pharisee here to shut us down for letting you be here. Hello, Mary. Hello. It's good to see you. Yes. Yes. I don't want to be rude, but... Would it be okay if if I... Yes, of course. Please come in. I just never thought you'd um. Uh, I have guests here. Uh, this is my first time. I don't know what I'm doing. Rabbi? Rabbi. You already know these men. They are students of mine. I trust they have been polite. Of course. Um. Francis is the man I told you about who, um. who helped me. Oh. Yes, yeah, Mary told her so much about you. Oh, I hope not too much. <laughs> I'm Barnaby. This is Shula. She is blind. Ah. In case you couldn't tell. I'm I'm so sorry, I, I don't actually know your name. I'm Jesus of Nazareth. Well, apparently something good can come from Nazareth. ha, <laughs> ha. Mary, I'm honored to be here. Why don't you begin? Oh no, I I couldn't Now that you are here, you must. Thank you, but this is your home, and I would love for you to do it. Okay. I'll just, uh, I'll just read from this now. Now the heavens and the earth, were completed, and all their hosts. And God completed on the seventh day his work that he did. And And God abstained on the seventh day from all the work he did. Blessed are you, Lord our God, ruler of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine.
1: Amen. Amen. So what I want for you, what I want for the world, what I will, the hill I will die on is that you understand that Jesus is knocking on the door and you might not even know his name. But if you open it, he'll be standing right there. (laughs) I just love, he's like, I don't mean to be rude, but could I come in? He's not going to barge his way in, you guys. But he's there. And he's going to come in and he's going to sit down with you and your friends and show you how much God loves you. And don't ever forget that he did this to prove it. The body of Christ broken for you, take any blood of Christ shed for you, take and drink. Lord, I thank you for the people who put the show together to show the world who you are. It's a beautiful medium to be able to understand in this really super mixed up world with a whole lot of people that have so many weird ideas about who you are and what you want. And Lord, I we keep trying. We really do. And we pray for Ukraine right now. We, we, we pray for what's going on. We pray that, that Putin's heart will be touched and he, he will understand what's going on, that he will actually turn to you instead of doing what he thinks he's supposed to be doing. And Lord, for all of us, it's really that very basic decision. We look at you and we try to figure out what you want and and we believe, but we have to go back and look at you. I'm so thankful for Matthew. I'm so thankful that there was a guy who had everything in the world he could want, except of course community, with you or with his friends, with his people. and. It was that obvious that he was that willing to give it up and go and follow you. And I pray that we will all be able to follow his example and give up whatever it is that we think is more important than community with you and community with your people. And we will follow you too. It's in your precious name that we pray.